Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this sermon. You can find all our sermons at our website, holycommunion.net. In the name of our loving, liberating, life-giving God, amen. Please be seated. So when we announced to the congregation that today would be my last Sunday, I had not yet looked at the lessons. And if I was sticking around, we might be in the midst of a series on the matriarchs and the patriarchs and all that is going on there. But today I'm just going to have to hope that I have not sold my greatest treasure for a cup of soup. Because when I saw the gospel, the parable of the sower, I smiled. Jesus tells of a farmer, a sower, who went out scattering seed and immediately the, mem- the metaphor I thought was going to be clear for this, my final sermon. In eight years together, we've sowed a number of seeds. We've seen the green shoots of grace gatherings and children's ministries. We've harvested some of the first fruits of new initiatives like Theology on Tap or Laundry Love. And we've tended heritage vines like our midweek Bible study and our partnership with the Trinity Food Ministries. We've seen a lot of growth together. It was going to be a great sermon. And, and truth be told, I, I probably also would have gotten a little vulnerable with you and said ministry can be frustrating and in the church you can spend a great deal of time wondering when and if your seeds will sprout. And I've had to trust in my time St. Paul's understanding of seed planting. I sowed, someone else will water, and in God's good time, whenever that is, God will give growth. That's my paraphrase of Paul. I, I thought I would preach that whole sermon about the seeds that I sowed, that we sowed together. And we'd talk about growth, and we'd talk about the good soil that we're still watching, and the great potential still ahead for Holy Communion, and there is great potential. But then I got turned around by Jesus. Because right here at the heart of our reading today, Jesus says, everyone who has ears should pay attention. And it's one of the moments where this translation that we're using now is maybe not as good as the one we were using when I first got here, the NRSV, because it says, let everyone with ears listen. Listen. And I realized my earlier sermon was too shallow. One of my favorite theologians, Willie Jennings, likes to point out that that much of the failure of Christianity is a failure of imagination. Much of the failure of Christianity is a failure of imagination. And Jesus taught in parables because he wanted folks to lean into their God-given capacity to imagine a new world and enact it. And Christianity has failed, especially when we have failed to imagine different outcomes than the present. We have in the church, according to Jennings, allowed our imaginations to be corrupted by all the old games of power and hierarchy, by racism and sexism and homophobia and ableism. We've allowed our imaginations to be corrupted by all those old games of power. We use our intellects too often to systematize, to limit, uh, to control. But Willie Jennings laughs and says, Jesus still has something else to offer. Jesus wants to help us imagine another world. 
It's easy to get caught up by those verses just before Jesus invites those of us with ears to listen, isn't it? And Jesus talks about the seeds that landed in the good and fertile soil. Some of those seeds yielded a hundredfold, some 60, some 30, Jesus says. And it is easy to say, wait, Jesus, you didn't explain that part. You didn't explain the difference. How come some of the seeds yielded so much more? Jesus just leaves this, right? How do we get those really good seeds? How do we get the high-yielding ones? What do we have to do? This is a really easy game to play with ourselves. Uh, do we need to pray more? Uh, do, do we need to trust more? Do we need to give more? Or do we need to write Bayer North America? How do we increase our yield from seeds? Jennings would tell us that's our normal use of our imagination. We try to use our minds to get ourselves up to the top. We want those high-yielding seeds. But friends, that isn't the point of Jesus' story at all. Scripture scholars tell us that Jesus' hearers would have been caught by that line about 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold because the idea that any first century seed would yield 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold would have astonished Jesus' hearers. If your seeds yielded that 30-fold, your harvest would have been enough to let you retire early. 60-fold or 100-fold, you'd go from a subsistence farmer to a wealthy, wealthy human being. There is a miracle at the heart of this story and I wonder if how many of us, like me, failed to hear it on the first go-around. You see, these seeds are not just usual seeds. If you'll permit me, and you probably will because it's my last Sunday. Um, but there's a story about seeds that I will always remember from my time here at Holy Communion. It's one of my favorite stories. It actually came in a conference room at the laboratories of Bayer, North America. This was a few years ago. And so the company may have been called Monsanto at the time, and that's important for a piece of this. Uh, the meeting was during one of the visits from our partners at Christosol, uh, who they're based in El Salvador, human rights organization. My friend Noah Bullock, the executive director, and his colleague David Morales, who's an internationally known human rights attorney, were here with us. And Noah preached, and they presented down at Washington University, and a number of us were there for those parts. But a small group of us were invited by a member of the vestry up to, I think it was then Monsanto. It was just at the cusp, the, just at the turn. And we went to go talk to some of the leaders there. And I remember specifically because Noah kept accidentally calling the place Mont Santo, which translates holy mountain in Spanish. <laughs> and I thought, not quite. Uh, but I also had to stifle a laugh every time he did it. In those days, the company was spending huge amounts of time and energy. Maybe they still are, but in those days, they were really spending a lot of energy defending genetically modified organisms, genetically modified seeds. It was big, big controversy, right? And the scientists that came to meet with us, they came ready to talk about these seeds with us, visitors from a justice organization in Central America, and I think they imagined that the leaders from Christosol wanted to fight the usual fight, right? And so we listened for a while about these highly scientific seeds. And finally, David Morales, the attorney, broke in and he, he said something like, friends, 
we don't need you to defend this science. From my perspective, any technology that helps feed more people is a good thing. I didn't come to argue about genetic modification. And you could have heard a pin drop in that room. And then Noah spoke up. And he said, after the Salvadoran War, Monsanto, he probably said Monsanto, came to El Salvador. And they bought the family business of the ex-president who had ordered the deaths of thousands. Monsanto paid millions to a war criminal. And Noah then asked gently, did Bayer now have a policy about buying the companies of war criminals? Were there ethics reviews that the company had in place to make sure they weren't empowering bad actors in a local country? Well, the group was not prepared to answer that question. <laughs> but there was also a real sense in that room that something important had been asked. The question wasn't offered with the hostility the company so often faced in public. The encounter between Central American rights workers and seed scientists, it wasn't the usual encounter, not one you'd usually expect, and so it left us imagining what kind of different world might be possible. And by asking questions outside of the usual fights, could important work for justice be done? And being a fly on that particular wall will always be one of the moments I remember from my time here as your rector. It's a story about seeds. And this parish, at its best, puts all sorts of people together in unlikely rooms. People who are struggling to make rent every month sit across breakfast tables from the professors with endowed chairs at major universities. And brilliant scientists find themselves stripping wallpaper alongside musicians and high schoolers working to make a house into a home for somebody who's been housing insecure. And moms and grandmas and uncles laugh together as they pray over laundry machines that the quarters will go in and the loads will get done. In this, my last sermon, I want to invite you not to miss the miracle. Don't miss the miraculous harvest that's already in abundance around us. Over these eight years, we have laughed and danced. We have cried and mourned. I have messed up my lines when reading, and we have stumbled through new music together. God bless Mary Chapman. It's mostly me springing that new music in that we stumbled on. There are times when it is easy to get caught up in the details. But together, let's take a moment to take stock of the miracle in our midst. The miracle of Holy Communion is love. Simple. But it is a miracle of a hundredfold. This is a parish that chooses to lead with love. You do it when you choose to welcome kids who behave exactly like their age. They act their age like my son does every week. And you respond to that with smiles and by reaching out to parents and saying, you're doing a great job. You lead with love when you make room for folks who over-talk at a Bible study or when you ask someone who has been especially quiet, is everything okay? You lead with love when you catch newcomers hanging around the edges and walk them right into the center. You lead with love when you, like so many people had happen for them when they first show up at Holy Communion, uh, have Mary Allen reach over and say, hey, sit with me 
I'll help you deal with this mess of bulletins and books that you got to wrestle through to get through worship here. I really believe that the miracle of this place is love, lavished on strangers and awkward newcomers and awkward longtime parishioners alike. So don't miss the miracle. And Jesus' sowers don't sow with ordinary seed. I think teaching this story as a measure of faithfulness required, it would be a failure of imagination. Teaching our faith like a measure of holiness, you risk missing the miracle. The farmer, the sower in this story, he seems a little careless, doesn't he? He's spilling the seed everywhere. He's wasting the seed among the weeds, on the rocky ground, on the path. Why would he let such a precious resource go to waste? Why? Because he trusts. God's love always yields far more than what was sown. If you put in a little love, you'll receive far more than you gave. And Jesus wants you to know you can be liberal with love. You can throw it around. You can dance and let the love fly and land where it will. Love that doesn't grow is the anomaly. Don't waste your time worrying about why some of the love didn't sprout. The miracle is that so much love blossoms, you never had to worry in the first place. What world could we imagine if we trusted like the sower? What world could we build together with God if we knew deep down that it would all be all right, that the yield of love will always come? What love-spreading difference will Holy Communion make together next? I look forward to watching from afar the new ministries you next imagine with your next clergy leadership for the sake of your neighbors. My friends, thank you. Thank you for all the ways you have showed me and my family God's world-changing love over these eight years. Thank you to the vestry members who have led us, the ones who will lead you forward. Thank you to my clergy and lay colleagues who preach and celebrate and lead and dance and work and dismiss us with so much joy and patience. Thank you for welcoming me into this diverse community, for planting some seeds with me, for watering and tending. Thank you for that as well, but know that the seeds that matter most are not projects or programs. Projects and programs like priests come and go, but most of all, thank you for loving us like you love one another, recklessly, abundantly, across all the spectrum of human diversity, past all the difficulties of the day. Keep loving. Keep sowing that seed and be ready for the miraculous results that God will grow. Amen.